Welcome to our show and thanks for joining us. This is Grateful Heart, the motivational Arizona real estate and business show. We're here to inspire you to believe in yourself, to dare to dream about your infinite and divine possibilities, to blow open your mind to creating your most abundant reality possible as our thoughts are so powerful. I found turning my own personal grief into gratitude raised my vibration to be in tune for receiving prosperity, help, and connecting to God's source. I'm your host, Rebecca Raines of Integrity All-Stars at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, and I have been selling homes here in the Valley since 1993. If you have any questions and are watching us live on our Facebook page, you can comment and we will do our best to answer while we are live on the show, so do not be shy. Today on our program, we have some great guests for you. Live from Phoenix, Arizona, it's the Grateful Heart Show with your host, Rebecca Raines. Hi guys, this is Rebecca Hidalgo Raines with Grateful Heart TV. This morning in studio, my guest, Tara Bianco Krieg of the TK team over at Amera First. Yep. Welcome, Tara. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. I love how you have your computer all ready to spew some stats at us because <laughs> you know everybody can't wait to hear all of our crazy stats. And since yours truly forgot her outline today, we're going to do a little bit of winging. But you know what happens when you wing a show? It's usually pretty good. It's usually pretty awesome because yeah. things come up that we didn't plan for. That's true. And that said, Tara was so sweet. She brought, um, made sure to get her CEO, Eric, right? Eric Bowlby. Eric mm-hmm. Bowlby of AmeriFirst to join the conversation because the market has been so crazy lately um, in a good way, I think. And I will definitely be sharing the stats with you guys. But... There's some really cool things Tara and Eric have to share. So let me bring Eric without any further ado. Hello, good morning, Eric. How are you today? Doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we're so excited to have you. So it looks to me like you're probably busy plugging away at the office right now. So I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to share with us. Um, Tara, why don't you share about what you and Eric are up to over at AmeriFirst and why? Sure. Um, So we've rolled out some really exciting programs to kind of meet the demands of the market. So as the market has continued to change, Uh as have the product needs of our buyers. And so uh, the trade-in program is kind of the one that I'm most excited about. um, One of the biggest challenges for buyers today are those that have homes to sell. And with homes selling so quickly, uh, they're fearful to list their home for sale and be homeless. And so this really allows them to have the option to get the most amount of money from the sell of their house Uh while still being able to purchase a home and remove that contingency. So I'll let Eric kind of dive in and share some more of the details of the program, but um, it's just been a phenomenal way to stand out in the way of meeting our buyer's needs. Well, and I love that, and especially because you got big guy up here on the screen with us. And so Eric, just to put it into perspective, for those people that might not um, be knowledgeable about who you and Tara are with the mayor first how many loan officers or how many loans do you guys see within your own company every year just to kind of put some perspective on it because I know Tara is definitely one of your top LOs within the company uh, she's actually our number one LO so I'm not, not just I was us. waiting for she you is. to say that did you see how I kind of yeah, yeah. See? <laughs> and she actually uh, and Tara was the very first recipient of it. We lost one of our best um, loan officers slash branch managers, Paul Palisak, to an unfortunate uh, side-by-side accident this year. And we wanted an award to always remember him and to uh, to um, 
recognize the, the people who go above and beyond what a normal loan officer does. And so uh, anyway, Tara was the very first recipient of the award this year. We could not be more proud of her. I just got um, total chills that, about that, that Eric. Now, you cut out momentarily. You know, you got to love technology and Zoom. You kind of froze a minute. So I didn't get to hear the name of the award. I'm aware of the award, oh. but I'd love for our yeah. audience to know more about it. So it, it's called the Paul Palasak Award. It's named after one of our um, ex-employees. When I say ex-employees, he had an unfortunate accident this, this last year, uh, but he was one heck of a leader in the company, uh, one heck of a loan officer, one heck of an uncle. I mean, he just encompassed everything. Um, he didn't need to work. For, um, I know a lot of us in this world, we have to work. We, uh, Paul didn't. And when you ask Paul things like, well, you know, Paul, why are you still doing this? His response was, I create jobs for others, and I have to take I care love of my that. community. I do he too. was just a, a beautiful, mm. beautiful human being. And, um, and Tara was the best fit there. to emulate um, him, I'm assuming, in this first inaugural award, which is so she cool. Was. Well, I know a lot about Tara, and I know that is definitely what she's all about. And I just heard a quote on the way in this morning, which I thought was actually quite fitting. You do what you have to do to get to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Right. So it sounds like your guys' friend Paul did what he wanted to do, which was in, 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 by helping others, just by having his presence around. You know, Tara did share with me a couple of really cool things about him this morning. What, do you remember the quote? That, there was a quote that stood out to me from what you had shared that I just loved. And it seemed to really emulate Paul and what he was about. I think it was just really speaking to the impact that we have on others is the greatest currency there is. That's and exactly what it that was. When I thought of Paul, that's what I'll always think of is that, as Eric mentioned, he didn't have to work. He had you know, plenty of money to get by, but mm-hmm. the things that he did was recognize uh, potential in others and help them mm. see a life for themselves that they couldn't see and then help them open doors to accomplish it. And uh, they have a branch out in Phoenix and that's exactly what they do. They uh, mentor these young men and women and t- and grow them up into loan officers to have lives they couldn't dream of. So it's wonderful. Very touching and I love it. And uh, without any further ado, as a result, I am sure that's probably why you have Tara as one of your loan officers testing all these new programs. You guys, I know you and I met a few months ago, Eric, about these programs because there was a day a few months ago where I even called my CEO pretty much in tears, like, I can't Help do us. this anymore. <laughs> and, you know, he, he has rolled out. There's a lot of companies rolling out different programs trying to respond to the the demand, the need, the need of the market. There's just so many poor buyers that, you know, just cannot compete today. So I love the trade-in program because that seems like that works really well in your wheelhouse. Eric, can you walk us through that? Yeah. So Tara kind of already gave you the, the type of person that it was built for, the person who's struggling to um, get offers accepted because they have a contingency, which in today's market, home sellers have so many offers that are coming in, especially if you're in the right price um, part of the market that uh, these contingency offers are, are really struggling to go in. But there's this huge fear from the customer side of if I sell my house or I put my house up on the market, I'm going to sell it before I get another offer accepted. Right. And if that happens, then as Sarah put it, they're homeless. What What are they going to do? And it's it's a real fear. So then they, they have options of companies like Open Door, OfferPad, Zillow. Um, and look, not not bagging on, on any of them, but um, they don't support our traditional retail real estate model. And so we wanted to have an option for our real estate partners that would allow them to be the effect, or shouldn't say in the effect, but better than open door, offer pad, Zillow. And what I mean by that 
the, the better portion is we're going to come in, we're going to buy the property and we're going to buy it at a, a reduced price. When I say reduced price, enough to where we can still pay the real estate commission. Closing cost, potential repair. So we're going to do an evaluation on the property. Uh, we use a desktop appraisal. We advance. We also recognize that the houses are selling for greater than market um, values today. So anything up and above the market value minus our, our fees, and our fees are, are, are very small. It's it's basically your uh, 1.5% fee. Uh, we do charge 8% while the money is out on a per diem basis. So Which is quite cheap, honestly. Up. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. And the part that I love about it is when you're looking at Open Door, one of these iBuyers, there's all of these fees that are built in. So the offer that they're making is really not what the homeowner, as you know. Oh, it happens all the time. <laughs> you know, they, they sell the you don't have to pay a commission, but then their fees are in excess are of what our commissions ever would be. Outrageous. And what I love about this program is it's so transparent. It right. allows their agent to be able to represent the sell of their home, still get the most amount of money the market will bear, and know exactly going into it what their fixed costs are. So we have a client in common. We do. Uh, well, we have several. But the one <laughs> I'm thinking of right now is his name will be nameless, yes. but I'm sure if he watched this, he'd be like, Rebecca, why are you always talking about me? Uh, the reason being is we put an offer through OfferPad while he had a tenant in his property he couldn't get out in time, right? They made an offer, and then they played the game of, here's the offer, here's your fees, and then as soon as they inspected it, they wanted 14000 off. all your additional costs. And yes. the house was fine. He got mad. We canceled, and I listed it traditionally. This just happened in the last month. He made $60,000 with me more than he would have had he sold to Open Door. $60,000. $60,000. And yes, we had multiple offers. And yes, we paid to stage and there were some expenses. You know, I think that's the offshoot because, you know, I do run into situations like divorce situation or, you know, maybe there's other reasons why they can't have people in their home. Sure. And those iBuyers are great for people in distress. But for people who want top dollar for their house... It's not the best option. It's not the best option. So I feel like I've had several clients that have sat on the fence because they can't justify buying another house until they know what they're going to net on theirs. And what I love about this program, and Eric hasn't touched on it yet, but... This program allows for our homeowners to start shopping right away. Right. And they don't have to execute on the trade-in until after they've successfully gone under contract. Mm -hmm. And even so, a lot of our agents have gone ahead and listed that home for sell and sold it traditional prior to their scheduled close so of escrow. And they've incurred zero dollars. But without the trade-in program, we had, would not have been able to remove the contingency. And in that situation where the perfect house presented itself, our buyers would have missed out on that opportunity. So. I'm biased, but I feel like this is the best program on the market for our buyers. Well, of course you're biased. You should be. You and Eric rolled out this program, <laughs> so why wouldn't you guys be biased? Um, so out of curiosity, I, you know, I don't need to know how many have successfully done because this is a brand new program, but I know that you guys had a couple other programs that you were kind of trying to bring to market for maybe those buyers who don't have homes to sell. Did any of those come to market yet? Yeah, go ahead, Eric. Yeah, so the same with the trade-in, we're, we're also trying to help our consumers who are struggling to get under off uh, contract because their offers just aren't strong enough, right? They're competing with the cash buyers. They're competing with people who are putting 20, 30% down, um, things of those nature. And so the same as we do the trade-in, we will actually go out and buy the customer uh, their new house. We'll 
we pay cash, so we have a cash offer um, up front, and then we turn around and we sell it back to the customer. So that way they, they know that they're going to get their house. They're not going to go out there. I call it buyer fatigue. In fact, to put it in a perspective. Oh, it's so uh, true. The way I look at things, I look at everything from my, my wife's point of view. If my wife falls in love with a house and she doesn't get it, I know that it's going to be rough in the Ameri in the Bowlby household over the weekend. But <laughs> Oh, I'm sure it would be rough. If she rough. falls in love with five, six, seven houses. Yeah, if she finds seven yeah. houses and she doesn't get any of them, she's not going to buy anymore. She's done. She is tired of having her heart broken. And that's the way it is, unfortunately, in today's market is there's such a low inventory that you have to have something that lets your offer stand out. And, and just like the trade-in program, we come in with our cash offer to the consumer. Uh -huh. If you have enough time, we will sign it over. There's no fees incurred. So out of curiosity, does that mean the contract is being written in the name of Amera first? And then if you guys can make it work you then assign it over to the we're buyer we're actually immediately starting to process that as a loan it and the verbiage i like is amerifirst financial or its assignees and actually their specific name and so okay. that allows us to immediately continue to process that loan eric had shared a story where literally they called they said hey we're ready to get docs at title it won't affect your seller in any way we'd like to go ahead and convert this over to financing obviously there's no effort, adverse effect on the seller one of the strategies i yeah. love most was a strategy i tried that with you remember oh my goodness ours was, <laughs> the seller's agent was not super agreeable to that but uh, you know what I think it's all about transparency right and I know that going into that you were very Tried. transparent yeah yes um, and a strategy that I love is presenting the offer with financing as well as the offer with right. cash and basically what we're saying is hey we here's this is a fully underwritten loan you know there's another program called PYT we can get into if we have time but um, it's a fully underwritten loan we don't anticipate having any issues closing it but for any reason cash would make our offer stronger here's also a cash offer we just want to make sure we secure this home that we win the deal whatever it's going to take and I think that level of transparency multiple offers in a multiple offer situation really gives our buyers the best opportunity to win well and you know what I really love that you guys are doing is that you're making it work that um, they still have a chance not to have to pay the one and a half. Right. So you're essentially just stepping in forward ahead of them and saying, hey, I'm Eric Bowlby, I'm the CEO, and I guarantee this is gonna happen. Right. That's basically what I feel like you guys are just guaranteeing so that you can stand in front of the madness. And I will say, you know, I had a whole bunch of charts um, for us to talk about the market. Yeah. I, and hold tight real quick. We're gonna take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. If you're looking for a mortgage, you need a personalized plan, not a click button, get mortgage option. Tara Creek and the TK team have saved families thousands by proactively planning their home purchase or refinance. Buying a home is a huge decision. It deserves a strategic approach. The TK team provides you with a comprehensive mortgage plan, including a complete credit analysis, outlining the steps needed to improve your credit score, helping you qualify for better rates and terms. Visit the TKteam.us today. We'll ensure you get the best guidance so you make the best decisions. The TK team, moving you forward. Hi, I'm Rebecca Hidalgo Rains with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. I've been selling homes here in the Valley for over a quarter of a century already. I want to say that experience truly matters. So when you're looking for your realtor to help you either buy or sell your biggest purchase of your life, I hope you'll consider using me. However, my experience doesn't matter nearly as much as my clients' experience. I dare you to Google me. You'll see nothing but fantastic reviews because I truly care to help navigate you and your family to the very best experience you'll ever have with buying a home. Hi, my name is Rob Sell. I'm with Sell Home Inspections. Been doing home inspections in the Valley for about 20 years. 
I do a variety of home inspections from new builds, resale, commercial, multifamily units, fourplexes, duplexes, and even on up from there. I can be reached at 602-908-7355. Again, 602-908-7355. Thank you, and I appreciate it, and I look forward to hearing from you. Whether purchasing a home or refinancing, we know you have choices when it comes to choosing a title company. Lawyer's Title is the leading source for all title, escrow, and marketing needs. With access to the largest group of title insurance underwriters, Lawyer's Title facilitates successful closings and protects clients from fraud. Creating solutions that save time and money for everyone, ask a realtor or a loan officer today about using Lawyer's Title on your next real estate transaction. Lawyer's Title is a member of the Fidelity National Financial Family. Okay, we're back from commercial. Thanks for holding in there, guys. So what I was sharing was the market recently has been super fickle. I don't know if you two are feeling it, but I had the stats to prove it, and I will definitely be following up with the show to show that. But what I have seen is that days on market are starting to increase a hair. It seems like it's very much... Um, price point driven. Price point and <laughs> yes. location, because yes. different areas are going to determine, like I saw one of my friends post on Facebook the other day to a group of agents like, oh my gosh, nobody came to see my new listing. Right. That happened this weekend. So, you know, the days of every single house selling with 30 offers, I think we're past that at least temporarily. Not to say we none of us know what's happening in the future, but that said... The good ones are still getting multiple offers. Yes, when I say are. good ones, they're they're decorated, they're staged, they're so cute, they're and priced they're right, and they're priced, and they right. are priced right, <laughs> like all of the criteria. So yes. if your buyer wants one of those, well, I had a client lose out this past weekend on sixteen offers. He came in, I think thirty five thousand above list, waived the appraisal entirely, and he still did not get the house. Yeah, we had a fully underwritten loan. We're trying to get in with the contract before the house hit market. And we gave what we felt was an incredibly competitive offer and got uh -huh. beat out by cash. And, you know, there's these real estate investment, and I'm sure Eric can go into it more, but these huge amounts of money coming into our market, and they're looking at it at a more long-term pace. They just want to get these houses purchased right. and put renters in them. So. You know, it's interesting that you say that. I One of the stats I wanted to share with you guys this morning from the Cromford Report was talking about, and I actually had it highlighted. I'm so bummed I don't have it, but Tina Tambor had said in her synopsis, that buyer demand is softening and don't let the numbers fool you the reason being is there's so many big hedge funds that are trying to buy rental properties today and especially i'm seeing that out in queen creek right now because yep. we did lose on an offer and it was um one of my other colleague friends i think the price was driven up 20 grand cash yep. and it was one of those investment companies and i asked her because i know the comps and i asked her about the comps and that the comps are leading us to our next discussion <laughs> yes. um and she's like I, I don't even know what to tell you they're just overpaying and they are overpaying because they're, they're forecasting overpaying. appreciation over time and they're wanting to get their money repositioned real estate out of the market. So Eric, I'm sure you can talk more about Let's that. Let's talk about that because educate those people who don't understand why this huge corporate company would be buying hundreds of properties instead of investing in the stock market right now. Yeah, so th there's probably a, a multitude of different reasons why they do it. But the, the first and easiest one is when you're in a, in a hyperinflationary market, which we are in right now, the safest place to have your money is in real estate. Um, unless you're in in, uh, in China right now with the uh, Evergrande company, I would say the safest place is to have your money in real estate. 
um, especially in the United States real estate, there's still a lot of people who believe that the rates are going to go lower at some point in time next year. And when rates go lower, values go up. Uh, on top of hyperinflationary market, you also have tax strategies, right? So when you're a, uh, a large investment firm, being able to write down and depreciate real estate and get a return on a leveraged asset, which is really what, what real estate is. So make no mistake, they'll go out, they'll raise the money. They have a loan somewhere. Whether, you know, if they're doing a hedge fund, they have their investors. So maybe it's not a, a traditional loan, but they are paying back somebody somewhere down the road. And right now, real estate is booming and it's going to continue to boom because the housing shortage is so significant, even though I know it is, is buyer, I shouldn't say confidence, it's the buyer time slowing a little bit. Uh, I'd say, it, yeah, but it typically does every September, October, it November. Yeah. That's when it starts Seasonal. to slow. That's mm -hmm. more of a cyclical time period because most people are buying during the summer times. Now, people buy year round. I'm not saying that they don't, but the super hot market is May to August. That, that is always the hottest market every year. Um, and you have a lot of buyers right now who, who, as I mentioned earlier, they have fatigue. They're, they're getting frustrated that they're not getting contract but these right. big hedge funds they've made fortunes uh in doing it and if property values are going up guess what rents are doing oh they're incredibly going up rent but people who have been renting are finding that if they don't hurry up and figure out a way to buy yeah they're going to be priced out of our market from a rental and a home purchase standpoint Both. which is very very sad which is like California. How many times have I heard people well, say that? I've heard them say we're the new California, and it makes me cringe because obviously course, none of us want to be that. Yeah, but affordability is a huge part of that, and I think it's no. really important for renters right now to take the time to allow themselves to be educated. They're afraid. I think that's a lot of fear involved in thinking that they're not in a position to buy and yet continuing to rent makes them subject to uh, this increased cost of rent. I say the best hedge against inflation is a home purchase because you're right. locking in your housing costs for the next 30 years. Well, and then you guys, I mean, we all know this. If the hedge funds are banking against basically the stock market and putting their money, like Eric was explaining, into real estate, isn't that the exact opposite of what everybody who's fear-based is saying because they're all like, oh my gosh, there's this big crash, there's a big boom, we're gonna lose values, you know, for like 15 years ago. Remember when that happened that one time? And um, you know what it seems to me is, and this is where I would love to talk about our appraisals, is every year, traditionally in my entire career, and Eric, I know you can attest to this, and Tara too, because sure. you guys have all been doing this as long, if not longer than I, is the average appreciation forever and ever was three to five percent and we're over 20 percent this year two years ago we were at 4.62 i was going to show you that stuff <laughs> uh two years ago we were at 4.62 and that's where we have always been so instead of fearing that you're going to lose money in the stock market you know real estate's always been kind of that safe bet yeah, Eric, I think in the sales meeting, you gave such a fantastic comparison of where rates had been and where home prices were and where rates are today and what's allowed home prices to go to where they are. Would you mind just recapping that? Because I think for today, that's a perfect example. Yeah, we would be, would be happy to. It, it, it actually will show and make things either where you want to jump in the market, go and buy more real estate, or it's going to go, hey, we're going down a fiscal cliff somewhere down the road. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they, so just to give you a few stats, the, the first is what was the average um, household income in Arizona 40 years ago? Oh gosh, it was, was probably 25 30, grand. 25, 30,000? Uh, it was 55,000. Was it? 55,000. How many years ago was that, Eric? 40. Now, what was the average cost of a home? Uh, I don't know, 30,000? 
Oh, no, much more than that. I don't know. 40 years ago. Come on. Was it 140? 100, no, 104. 104,000. Okay. Okay. So 55,000 a year. Oh, but the interest 000. rates were like 30%. No, I don't know. 18%, 12%. 18 to, yep. 18 to 21% yep. was the average rate back then. What's the average household income in Arizona today? Why do Come I feel back. like I'm on a, t- uh, on on a game show here? <laughs> is it in the between? Is it like 80, Eric? No, it's about 70. 70. 70 to 75. Wow. So it really hasn't it increased. It hasn't gone at, well, wage for, yeah. for wages, but man, have prices increased. So listen to this. Well, Go okay. ahead, Eric. You have to understand why. So what's the average purchase price today? You'll know it better than me. The average purchase price today, if you're going to go median or average, are two different numbers. The median is a little bit over 400, and the average, I think, is like 375. Perfect. But what's the rates today? The rates today are under three for the most part, right? You guys do the rates. I, I just pretend like I know them. We'll say between 2.75 and 3. the only thing that's really changed dramatically? Rates. Rates. And rates sales are prices. an indicator and a driver mm-hmm. of what housing prices can be because it's all about affordability. Right. Every half a percent of interest is 5% buying power. So if rates drop by 1%, expect a 10% increase in real estate values. So that makes sense. So you know, which is so perfect because I believe our appraiser just hopped on this call. Jay Jasper, are you in the background somewhere? It's Jay Joseph, you can call. Oh, darn it. You know what? I did this last time. There's an there's an agent by the last name Jasper and I call him Joseph's by accident sometimes. So please forgive me, Jay, you know you're my favorite. It, I, I'm sure I'll be called worse by the end of the day. So, <laughs> <hard work. laughs> so hey, I, Eric was just talking, and I'm not sure, Colin, in the background, if you can get both of our guests on the screen together. But I had asked Jay, because he owns an appraisal management company, to hop on the, today's conversation because the reality is, is all this is great and dandy, right? As long as our appraisals come in. That's a huge part of it. Right, Jay? Yeah, oh, it's for sure a huge part of it. And I should correct you. I now, my company was purchased by a company called Apex, which was purchased by Option. And uh, we're one of the 10 largest firm appraisal management companies in the United States. Oh, but, wow. Uh, so you're not Jag anymore. Stake at this point. Okay. I had. No, I still have Joseph's Appraisal Group, but now the appraisal management company keeps growing and growing. Oh, and, uh, oh that's wonderful. It's that's pretty crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm going to, yeah, okay. you know, I did you get a chance to look at the screenshots I shared with you this morning? Because I wanted to discuss this um, issue that we're having in our marketplace. And I wanted to get both Eric and Jay's take on what, what us realtors are experiencing because obviously if we're experiencing it the lenders are the buyers are and everybody involved in the transaction is so what i had happened recently and i shared this on a facebook group called agent forum that us realtors like to get on here in arizona and you know we share information and sometimes there's some haters who spend way too much time on there commenting on stuff but what i got on there the other day to do was to find out if we're really having an issue with appraisals and I know that's a catch uh, question, kind of, because, you know, Jay, oh, aren't we always having appraisal issues? Come on. You've been doing this how yeah. many years, my oh, friend? Oh, for sure. Um, but, but these are different issues. Aren't which they? Which you're about to describe are different issues, yes. So what had happened is recently I helped a client buy a cabin up north in northern Arizona, and we could not get any appraiser to accept the assignment. And normally in appraisals, how much, Jay? What do you guys usually charge for a basic appraisal? Residential. Like 475. 475 okay. is kind of a good starting point. I think it's up a little bit to maybe 
500. Okay. Right. Somewhere in that range. So my understanding is the bank had offered 700. Nobody would pick up the assignment. We had one appraiser come back saying, oh, you want that in the next week? Well, there'll be 3,600. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you can wait till the end of the month and it'll be 1,400. Yep. And we did end up closing the sale, but I was, you know, sharing with my colleagues that, you know, hey, what's going on? Do we need to have extended closings? Like, should we just tell the buyers it's going to cost them a thousand bucks for every appraisal they get? Or like, what, what is the right expectation? So I, I'm truly trying to understand the problem at hand. And I shared it with a colleague, you oh. know, this colleague, um, JF might be his initials. Yes. And so a friend of mine was buying a property down in Bisbee, Arizona, or he had bought it, made it a VRBO. He had an appraisal when he very first bought it, and then he went to go refinance it. And he was told that, he, basically, he's like, oh, you think that's bad? Wait till you hear this. And then he started telling me how, supposing the same boat, he couldn't get his, anybody would pick up the assignment. Yep. So he reached out to the appraiser who had done the original appraisal, and the appraisal management group went from 700 to 1400. She was offering to do it for 760, what we found out three times. She tried to pick up this assignment, and then when he called the appraisal management company and called him out on it guess yeah. what she was given the assignment within minutes and for the 760. and so i was just like whoa and i put on facebook i'm like is this like a one off or is this now the new norm like are who's watching the appraisal management companies and how do we make sure our clients are protected so i know that's like 10,000 questions all bundled in one, Jay. But let's hear your, your because I know you're in the car in between appointments trying to help us on this. Yeah, so I talked to our operations manager about your scenario to try and, because I didn't understand it. Like I don't understand, the way Optian works, we would never do that. Um, the conclusion we came to, sorry, is um, that potentially was a dishonest move by the appraisal management company looking to get a home run management fee um, I, I can't think of another scenario because at our company, um, we're just at this point as with the shortage we're going through, we're just trying to get orders placed. We have kind of our standard management fee, which is somewhere around a hundred dollars. Um, we're not looking at scenarios like that and seeing desperation saying, okay, let's make $200. Uh, honestly, what, what happens more often is we're like, we can't get any appraiser to take it for a fee that we think is reasonable. So we're gonna waive our management fee. So we're kind of going the opposite direction because sometimes we're kind of candidly embarrassed by the fee quotes that we're coming up with. It's outrageous. Um, I can't think of a scenario um, why an honest appraisal management company wouldn't have assigned that to your 765 appraiser. I, I don't have an explanation that um, so that's ethical and honest. So if that's the case, is there anybody we could have complained to in that situation, Jay, or my friend could have complained to? I mean, obviously he just wanted his deal done. Right. So he just was like, oh, thank God somebody, you know, they're letting it get through now. But like the whole reason behind an appraisal management company is because of the shenanigans that happened during the downturn yeah. to police lenders and realtors that we weren't just calling our buddy Jay saying, dude, we need 500 on this and you better get it for me or else I'm not going to give you another assignment. Right? Right. So all that went away and days have changed, but who's policing the right. appraisal management companies, Jay? Well, so it's under the department of financial institutions, just like Eric is. We're ah. under the same umbrella now. Um, and they, Every appraisal management company that's want, that wants to do business in Arizona has to be approved through them. So you can file a complaint. I just don't know how you would prove 
any shenanigans. That that's that, true. That they right. didn't ask. Yeah, I, I don't. I just look. I understand the frustration, Rebecca. We were talking off the air. Um, I couldn't close on a house on, in Tucson for my son on time because I couldn't get an appraiser to do a 1,400 square foot home in the center of Tucson for under a thousand dollars. So, so I had to live through this garbage. And you're um, and you're an appraiser. I, I, yeah, it, they wouldn't use our appraisal management company, and uh, it will, the deal almost went south over it. So, a, a couple of things, cured. just so we're on the same page. Um, I did some research before I got on the call, and comparing two years ago to now, we have almost exactly the same number of appraisers. Oh. Yet the volume of work is up fifty percent. Huh. So when we talk about a shortage, like that equation is really dramatic and it leads to shortages. And so what is happening is there are good appraisers who want to promote the profession um, that are taking deals for fair fees. I, I like to consider myself as one. I just walked out of a house. I'm like, I think I undercharged for this one. Um, <laughs> but then there are other appraisers that are taking advantage of um, a really rough situation for our industry. And they're candidly, they're gouging. Yeah. They're gouging. The appraiser that wanted a thousand dollars for a fourteen hundred square foot home in the center of Tucson was gouging, and it happens all the time. And my operations manager said it happens in remote areas more. That's more commonplace because it can. It happens with FH, FHA appraisers appraisals because if you have so much work, some appraisers are saying I don't want to mess with FHAs right now, and complex assignments and yes. rush assignments. Those are the ones we're seeing um really high fee quotes so and, it, it's um, not the, that there's yeah. less appraisers like somebody else had um alluded to on the facebook post that i had included you on i hope you joined that group agent forum by the way um yeah, they, they were saying that people were just not getting into the line of work so if you pulled the stats and saw their same number of appraisers today as there were how many years ago then that whole theory two, that, two years ago it's almost the same almost yeah. the same but well, it's look, the some appraisers are, and the demand. some appraisers are dying because the average age is like 80 years old. I'm an appraiser now, it seems. No, um, I heard the stat was 62 yeah. years old. They're not that old. Come on, you're not that old. You're not 80. But it is difficult, Rebecca. I think you touch on a really valid point, and maybe um, our appraiser specialist here can speak to it, but that what it takes to become an appraiser, because as a loan officer, if we get really, really busy and I need support staff, I can hire, right? Yeah. I can hire and train in a much more expedited fashion than what I believe they can. So can you speak to that? Yeah, so the industry, and I consider the industry like Fannie Mae and um, Freddie Mac and right, stuff, convention. they're working hard to get appraisers to come into the industry. They put pressure on our profession to reduce the amount of time it takes to get an appraiser's license. It used to be 18 months. You can now get an appraiser's license in six months. Uh, wow. Certification used to that. take two years. You can now do it in a year. So they're reducing the barriers to entry here's the problem when i get a call from now there's somebody no that experience says, hey i hear appraisers are busy i'm thinking about this as a career move what do you think this is my answer to them why would you want to get into a profession where every month <laughs> it seems like technology is reducing the number of appraisals that are ordered um i'm not optimistic about of the future of the profession so i'm discouraging people to, from doing it so that's the problem and i will tell you one other thing this gouging that's been going on has alienated appraisers with lenders and and Fannie Mae to the point where I think that trend is going to continue that they're going to 
say, look, if the borrower's got good credit and we can hop on a computer and get a pretty good idea what the collateral value is, let's just waive the appraisal. And so I think that's a trend that's more likely and it's going, it's keeping more appraisers from getting into the business, I think. Well, that's a problem. I know you'd mentioned on a show that you've been on my show multiple times. You'd mentioned like maybe a year or two ago even about hybrid appraisals. And I have seen a couple of examples pop up, but not very much. And they don't, honestly, they don't seem that good, Jay, because the appraiser is not actually the one in the house. Yeah. So the bifurcated appraisal where they're having appraiser just sit at their desk and they cheat up wait for the pictures to come. That was a plan to make things cheaper and faster. And mm-hmm. it didn't really work because realtors don't like it. I'm glad they don't because it's a bad product and appraisers don't like it. I don't like to sign my name to a value where I'm not seeing the house. So that hasn't really worked. Um, I think the next wave and I look, I'm not here to pitch our own company, but Optium's got a really nice plan I think what you're going to see within the next year, and I really believe this, is you're going to see appraisers going to properties with iPads, which does happen a little bit now, but the technology that we're working on, while the appraiser is going through the house and the platform is understanding more about the house, it's filling in comps on the sales grid. So when the appraiser walks out to the car, the appraisal's almost done. Like they can make their own adjustments and they can say, I like this comp, I don't like this comp. Yeah. But I think that you might see a situation in a year where you meet an appraiser at a property and an hour later it's been uploaded to the lender. That and that'll be solve awesome. so many problems and the fees will come down. Um, I think that's what's next. I sure hope so. That's awesome. Awesome. Awesome to hear. So Tara, before we let him go, because I know he's got to run to another appraisal in like 20 minutes. Um, any other pressing questions or issues that we'd love to have an appraiser speak to? And Eric, I think you're still in the background. If you have any questions for Jay, I'd love for you to chime in. No, oh, we might have lost Eric. Yeah, no, no, oh, no. more questions. Uh, maybe something to, uh, to throw out. That, that you guys could look into. There's actually software now. Fannie Mae has signed off for one lender to do it. Unfortunately, we are not that lender. We are next on the list to get approved. And it's kind of a hybrid version of the bifurcated appraisal with the exception of it's not the an app. The app goes onto their smartphone. The appraiser then has the customer walk room to room. And while they're doing it, they're taking measurements, taking pictures, doing everything that's needed. So then the appraiser can sit at their office and and work through them. So I know there's a lot of things that Fannie and Freddie are trying to work up to. There's one lender that has, um, is doing the beta test. The goal that Fannie has uh, is to have that option open and available for everybody sometime next year. Uh, if they can prove that that it works. Yeah. So, so that's, uh, it's, we are, it's funny that you say that, Eric. And first, a big fan of your company. Uh, congratulations on all your success. Um, we de- developed that product when COVID first start, entered our world and Fannie Mae flat out rejected it. Like we had, had a appraiser could be in the front yard and take pictures of the front and then they would run through and shoot pictures or video and Fannie Mae said we're not accepting it so it's nice to know um, that that's becoming an option that'll again I I personally think my appraisals are less accurate when it's not me going inside 
Um, but I like that a little bit better than um, the straight bifurcation appraisal that they've yeah, been talking ho Hopefully about. they'll open it up to more than one lender where our complaint has been that it's an unfair business practice now that someone has oh. it and not everybody else does. Well, keep fighting for it, Eric, because we want to make sure you guys over to Mira first get it. Um, hey, Jay, I know you're running late to an appraisal. I don't want to hold you any longer. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Uh, Jay, say something so you swipe back over. And, My pleasure. Yeah, it's like I'm set on speaker view, I think, right now, so we don't get to see him. There you go. Uh, got it. Hey, thank you. Um, a huge uh, fan of your work, and uh, it's a pleasure to uh, to be on your show. I appreciate you. Have a great day, Jay. Thank Bye. you, Jay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Okay, I hope Eric is still staying on the call with us because I want to circle back with Eric. Eric, there you are, buddy. Okay, so when we met a couple months ago, yes, when we met a couple months ago, we were talking about all these products that we needed. It seemed like so much was hampered on the appraisal you know, about the things that you guys felt comfortable offering to the public so that you wouldn't get caught with your pants down, Eric. Right. So I'm kind of curious with the more recent struggles we've had, how is that impacting your guys' offering on your programs that you're doing right now to help with the problem that we have of buyers not having the opportunity to buy as many houses as they'd like or get the right house that they want and all the above? And if you try to say because yeah, you still, only use uh, Brian and Brian didn't come on today to speak for himself, <laughs> then that's just not going to fly. No, no, no. It, it's still certainly an issue, right? When Whenever we're buying a house or taking a house in on trade, there's still the possibility that it's that we're wrong, right? We, we very well could come in and say this house is we're buying it for four hundred fifty thousand dollars and the appraisal comes in at four twenty five. That's that is a risk that we take. Or vice versa, you know, on trade-in, we, we, we buy it based off of 450 and we sell for four and a quarter. That's part of the reason why we have to charge fees. And so we have a hedge built in for the times that we that we make a mistake. And it, at some point, the market is going to turn where it doesn't, that there might be a little bit of a, uh, of a drop down. So um, there, there's no 100% guarantee ever uh, in real estate. Um, you know, I, I tell my wife, when we buy a house. It's we're not buying it as an investment. We're buying a home. If it goes up in value, I love fantastic. But you don't really realize that, that value unless you sell. And we don't plan on selling our house anytime soon. So it's, it's not an investment. It's a home in which we're raising our family. Um, but there will always be in a hyperinflationary market where anything that's a comparable is really already outdated. I mean, that, that's the unfortunate side. Yeah, the when the market's appreciating at 20%, you can't out. keep up. No, well, today the stats yeah. show in the last 12 months an average of 27%. But a quarter ago, again, Rebecca's stats that she didn't bring with her today, but I do remember <laughs> them. A month ago, and oh, no, I'm sorry, a quarter ago, three months ago back in June, yeah. the appreciation for the previous 12 months averaged 37%. Yeah. So we are ticking down in as far as Things appreciation are to stabilize yes, yeah. in a more normalized you know place and and so i think the only thing that i i'm surprised about the stat that jay gave us of that there's 50 percent more appraisals being needed than two years ago because i felt like two years ago you guys were doing a ton of appraisals still 
you know, as far as refis and such, or is that to your quote from before, like the whole recent refi boom well, hit? Well, I would say the last year. I mean, our volume was up 100%. So That's that true. makes perfect sense to me. We were getting some appraisal waivers, but certainly not all. Um, and as we go into these various appraisal options, what I would like to see is kind of an a la carte menu where if we know we have plenty of equity, that we would have the option for like a desktop, right? right. Like something right, right, that right. it reduces the risk, something easy. Um, if, if that appraisal really isn't going to make a difference to our bottom line. And then if you are a home where there's substantial upgrades or something unique, right. then as an agent, you can say, we want to bypass the hybrid option. We want a full appraisal. We understand it may cost a little bit more. It may take a little bit longer, but we believe that the value is there to support it. And so that we can use just a little bit more discernment uh-huh. in the use of those appraisals and getting the level of expertise that we need and utilizing it to the, you know, the best that we can. Okay. <laughs> that was a lot in one breath, Tara. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where I think all three of us are just hoping for things to settle down a little bit and things to get back to normal. But I don't know if there's ever been a normal in real estate since I've been doing it for the last 28 years. And I don't know, Eric, if you can quote any time period that felt normal to you. But um, at the end of the day, it's just we're always having to change things up. Technology is changing. Demand is changing. It's allowing us to do interviews on Zoom. And if it cooperates, you can actually not see their faces freeze when they're up there talking, <laughs> right? So it's just we're entering a new era, I think, in real estate lending and, and all of the above where everything is going to get more technical. But I don't know about you guys. I'm not worried about losing business to iBuyers or all these other companies because, like you said it, Eric, you're buying a home. For most people, unless they are just an institutional investment buyer, most people are buying homes they intend to have memories in and raise families in and have babies in and right. grandbabies and, and all the above. So, you know, it doesn't really matter what somebody says your house is worth. It just matters, I guess, if you can get the loan to pay for it. Yep, I would agree with that. Final thought, Eric, or are we good? I, I think you hit the nail on the head that there will always be a, a certain percentage of people who try the new systems the i buyer and i think there's certainly a place uh for for those people but i think in general if i did we had a stat come out that and i wish i had it off the top of my head i, I could just give you the the explanation without the actual stat the majority of the people that are okay with the buyer or the online banking are our older generation it's the people who have done it four or five six times already that, makes sense. that does the make younger sense it's the opposite of what i would have thought wants their hands held want to be have someone walk them through the process so where everyone thinks it's the millennials that are 100 percent okay with the iBuyer experience that's not what the statistics are showing they they want somebody walking them through because it's scary the first time you buy a house yes it is oh it's scary almost every time for some people so <laughs> you know it's it's interesting yes everybody's just a little bit different but at the end of the day I, I know I want my kid's hand being held by somebody who when she's buying her first house out of state and I can't be there. So I would definitely encourage her to go to a professional. And as far as valuations go to, I am going to throw this out there is an appraiser is just an opinion of value. You get five different appraisers in a room, you get five different opinions and they all vary. Hopefully you're hoping they're all within a range. Um, but I know it never it never hurts more than if a buyer waves an appraisal because financially they could and it still comes in low. Mm-hmm. That's quite painful until six months go by and they see maybe their gain in appreciation. Um, so it's all relative. Yeah. 
in my opinion. And at the end of the day, you're just hoping to find the right house that you're going to learn to love if you don't love it up front because, you know, maybe you just couldn't, maybe you had to settle a little bit. And that's kind of the name of the game right now, too. Yes, is finding something that you can make your own based on what's available. Exactly. Yeah. Have a wonderful day, Eric. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Eric. Thank you for having me. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, let's get back to Grateful Heart. So I am totally bummed, and we'll have to say this because actually I just guess it gives us another excuse to do another podcast sooner than later. Sure. I'm really bummed about all these cool stats that I had for as far as the market went because I am seeing a fickleness. I am seeing a little bit of a softening, mm -hmm. and I do think things will get better with appraisals as a result because it's kind of the law of supply and demand. Yeah, I think that we just universally have to be careful about calling something, you know, like softening across the board. Because no, it's then not. a buyer will go and put an offer on a house and there's 16 offers and then another seller will list their house and nobody comes for the first three days. And so you're absolutely right when you use the word fickle. It's the it best feels description. very pocketed in the yeah. way that I'll, I'll start to say things like, oh, you know, we're getting FHA offers accepted. We're getting VA offers accepted. We're not having to waive appraisals. And then in the next breath, we miss out on the next three homes so it is fickle uh, but it is nice to see the light yes. you know and I guess that's the best way that I can see it is that I'm getting a glimmer of hope for those buyers who just aren't as strong as the ones who can come in with a hundred grand yeah I, I think moral to the story is the folks that I have and I just sent you one today yeah. who's a first-time home buyer you know very minimal down they really do need to explore and get educated on the program offerings you guys have yep. to help them compete because there it is that 300 price point yep. that is still a killer. Super competitive. Super competitive. And then there's definitely certain parts of town. And I'm sure if somebody was listening to this out of state, they could picture within their own region and probably the same thing. Certain areas that are super hot, which has always been the market Always anyways. been the case. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, what I do want people to, to walk away with or leave today with is that there is a glimmer of hope. Things are starting to ease up and get easier. I wouldn't call it softening. I did say softening, but you're right. It just, you have glimmers of hope. You have, exper you have experiences of where somebody maybe got a house at list price or under. Yes. You know, so we are starting to see, because back in May, we didn't hear any of those stories. Oh, we just had an iBuyer drop their price twice um, because it didn't appraise. And at I first they came back and said, no, we're not dropping. And we said, okay, we're canceling. And then they came back and said, just kidding, we'll drop. <laughs> so I think the reality <clears throat> is, is that wouldn't have happened in the past. And so it's no. really encouraging to see that buyers can buy houses and at fair market value encouraging. That is the word for today. <laughs> it's encouraging. I hope you guys all have a fantastic day and uh, reach out to Tara if you have any questions about lending. You can find her at the TK team. Just go to her website, tkteam.us, right? That's right. And then my website is integrityallstars.com. For any real estate needs here in Arizona, I can help anybody all over the state. And I'm pretty sure, Tara, you can help anybody all over the country. We can. That's yep, awesome. Absolutely. Have a great one. Thanks, guys. What a great show, and thank you for joining us on our mutual journey to becoming unharmable and successful in all of our experiences while we're here in this school of life. We hope you enjoyed it. If you watched us on YouTube, please like and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Likewise, if you're catching us on one of our podcast platforms, be sure to follow us so you never miss out on another one of our shows again. Remember that if you ever have a question about real estate or any of the other topics we cover, Check us out on the web, www.gratefulheart.tv, for all of our links to connect with us. Otherwise, we'll have another show for you again right here next Monday at 11 a.m. Arizona time. Hey, hey, hey.
I'm on vacation every single day Cause I love my occupation Hey, hey, hey I'm on vacation every single day Every, every single day